having an alabaster flax, a very, a very costly, fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head, and he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why is this wasted? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say unto you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told a memorial to her. We all know the story. Mary took the costly ointment. Mary took the oil of fragrance. Many believe it was at least one year's wages, if not more, worth of oil. And she took it, and and we know the symbolisms. She took it, and, and she didn't just... You know, this was enough oil that if if she would have opened the oil up, if she would have just opened it up, just the fragrance would have begun to fill the room. I can tell you right now, I just opened this oil up and I can smell it. But it's not strong enough to fill the room. Sister Mindy, you don't smell it. But I smell it. But the oil she had, if she would have just opened the jar the entirety of the room would begin to be permeated with that fragrance. And that fragrance is, is a symbol of worship. That fragrance, God, God, God even talked about uh, in the scripture, he talked about a fragrance coming up to him in worship that was called strange fire. A, a, a fragrance that he didn't recognize because it was false worship. It was worship that wasn't pleasing to him. But our worship is the, or the oil is the representation of our worship and the fragrance that it gives to God is a representation of when our worship is given up to God. And so my question to you, first question that I have to ask today is, is your worship powerful enough that when you walk in a room and your worship begins to be displayed, does it change the smell of the entirety of the room? Without breaking the jar, we know she broke the jar. And we're going to get there, but... My, my question today is, if you were to walk into the room with your worship, would the room change with your worship? When you, when you open up, let me ask you this. I can smell this. Brother Dennis can't smell this. I can smell it. I'm in proximity to it. But is your worship even strong enough to change the person beside you? Because this, this, this is close enough to me that the fragrance is, getting, is, is permeating over to me. Let me, give you, let me give you an example of this. As they were in the Philippian jail, Paul and Silas were in locks and stocks and they were in the innermost parts of the jail. And the Bible says at the midnight hour that they began to praise and to sing and their worship, their praise 
was strong enough that it broke off their chains, but it was also strong enough that it broke every chain in the room. What does that mean to us today? If your worship can be strong enough, maybe not strong enough to fill the room, but if it was strong enough that your worship would affect the person beside you, and we could all come in with at least some strong enough worship that my worship may get this person set free. I need you to understand when we come in on Sunday mornings and we're supposed to be lifting our worship and lifting our praise to God, we we, we, we don't even sometimes know the real magnitude of what we are doing because, uh, Sister Marsha, you may be coming in and you may not feel it, you may not want it, your body tells you no, but if your worship would just have some fragrance to it, maybe the person beside you doesn't have any worship in them at all. Maybe the person that you come in and sit next to needs something to spill over onto them. And if you could just have the fragrance of worship that would begin to permeate over to them, God could begin to break the chains off of their life. And the two of you together could begin to worship God. And I mean, what am I saying? I don't know that I need a church that's full of worshipers 100%. But if I could get every other person or every third person, then there would be enough in here that it would spill over. She had this costly ointment, this costly worship. It wasn't cheap. Your worship isn't cheap. Your worship isn't cheap. Oh, we've we've relocated worship to you know to certain words or verbiages and I'm coming to tell you as a preacher that there are there are cliches that could spill out of my mouth at any moment. I mean I, that that have no more worship in them than than the ground I'm walking on. I can, you know, there are times that, what was it, I think that we came out of the driveway and there wasn't ice on the road. And I said, praise the name of the Lord forevermore. But there was no more worship in what I said. It was just out of my mouth. And we come in week after week and we can sing the lyric of the song. We We can say whatever, but if it's not bound up in a costly worship, if it's not got value, if it's not got value to you, it's not worship. She took that jar and it was costly. And she said, you know what? I'm in the presence, not of a, not of a king, not of a ruler. I'm not in the presence of a, of a governor. I'm not in the presence of just some, you know, some cool somebody. I mean, if we if we had different ones walk in the church today, we make a big to-do out of whoever and whatever. And I was talking about, the, for those of you who don't know, April 13th, we're going to have a Southern, music, Southern Gospel Music concert here at the church. And it's going to be uh, three or four different Southern Gospel groups. And we're going to have a good time. And I said, if that thing goes over good, the next year, I'm going to call Jason Crabb up and I'm going to try and get Jason Crabb to come come to our church and sing for us. And, and 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 Sister Valerie said to me, she said, well, I don't know where you're going to sit. Or was it Marcia? Whichever one it was. She said, I don't know where you're going to sit, everybody, because if everybody hears that Jason Crabb's coming, then the place is going to be full. And, and we're not going to have room enough to sit everybody. And that's probably true. But if Jason Crabb were to come into the house, uh, I know I know there are several people who, uh, you know, have their, their fake alabaster that they can come in and say, now Jason Crabb's in the house. Now I can worship. 
or, or you know, if the president were to walk in the room, all of a sudden some of us would show some special reverence. For, and we ought to. I need you to understand. We ought to give reverence. We ought to give respect to those who are over us in the world and those who are over us even in the Lord. But I've come to tell you, she recognized something. She said, I'm not just in the president, or in the presence of a governor or a president or even a famous singer. I'm not in the presence of just any, not even the most famous of all famous people. She said, I am in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so she said, you know what? I don't think I'll ever have an opportunity like I have right now to give this out. And can you imagine she had this costly this costly thing? And, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. The devil wants to make us feel like we need to divvy this out because it's costly. That we need to conserve this. But I would that the church would recognize that when we get in the presence of God, when we have an opportunity, like the woman who needed to touch the hem of his garment, she said, I just got to get to him. I don't know how I got to get to him. If I have to be a bulldozer, there ain't nobody going to stand in my way. Nothing's going to stop me from my blood. And, I, you know, some people see that as different ways. I mean, we've, we've, it's been preached and illustrated every kind of way. But I, I wonder if that woman, when she had that need to get in front of God and get a hold of God, if she wasn't just busting through the crowds. I wish I could have a bunch of people up here to illustrate it, but I, you know, but I'd be inflicting pain on them so I'm not but I mean I wonder if she was just barreling through just busting through and running and saying there's the God the man that I need the king of kings is over there the lord of lords is here and I just gotta touch him and you know some people see it differently but I kind of see her doing like this dive for the end zone kind of thing where she I mean it, it, this is really how I see the story she's she's trying to get to Jesus and let me tell you it's hard to get to him but I see her just running and making that like full length dive and just barely touching the hem of his garment. And virtue came out of him. And he recognized that even now kind of faith. He recognized that he recognized that little mustard seed. He recognized that there was somebody that got a hold of me. They recognized that I was in the house and they got a hold of me and she wasn't letting anything get in the way. And I'm telling you, this woman came with her alabaster jar and she didn't let the devil say you know you need to worship in moderation you know everything's good in moderation you need to just you know the scripture says to 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 live in moderation and do everything you know don't get crazy about anything you know you don't need to act that way and i'm telling you there's a whole movement throughout the world and the church that says you don't need your worship to be boisterous you don't need to be loud god's not deaf and you don't need to do this and you don't need to do that you've got costly fragrant oil your worship is valuable and you don't need to waste it one sir you don't want to waste it on just one service because what happens if God wants to move later? She said, I don't care about later. All I know is I'm in the presence of God right now. You know, we, we think we think this is our mentality. We think, well, if I don't get my blessing this week, there'll be church again next week. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise and there won't come an ice storm. There's, there's going to be church and I'll have another opportunity. 
And if I don't get it then, if I refuse to break out my alabaster jar and use what's expensive to me then, and I don't receive from God, then there'll be another service next week. So that's okay. I'll have my opportunity later. And that is exactly what they said before the floodwaters came for Noah. Every day he's beating that ark. Every day he's hammering the boards together. Every day he's preaching something about rain they had never seen before. That there was some precipitation that was going to fall out of the sky. And I can imagine that there were people who... I know many people thought he was a quack and and they weren't listening to him. They made fun of him. But I, I have to believe that as he was preaching, there was an anointing on what he was saying. And day after day he was saying, there's rain coming, there's a flood coming, there's judgment coming and there had to be at least one that was saying I don't know what this rain is but I don't but I but I wonder what he's talking about and they were they were contemplating in their mind making a decision on that day but they said you know what we've never seen rain he's been working on this thing for 120 years I don't know why we need to worry about it it could be we can wait till tomorrow and everybody if I follow him everybody's going to think I'm a weirdo so I've got I've got tomorrow and then they said I've got the next day and then I've got the next day And before you know it, he walked up into the ark and he sealed the ark shut and the rains began to come. And then all of a sudden it was too late. And I've come to tell you, I don't mean to preach an end times kind of in your face message this morning. But you can't just sit there and say every day, I'll wait till next week to get a blessing. I'll wait till next week to pour out my worship. I'll wait till next week to recognize that I'm in the presence of deity. I'm in the presence of the king of kings. Because one of these days you're going to be one day too late. My mom used to sing a song that said, I never thought I'd see the day when you'd come to kneel and pray. I never thought that I would see the church house filled to capacity. When outside the door there's more who have never come before. Oh, what a shame Jesus came one day before. You came one day too late. Only one day too late. Jesus came and you've been left behind to wait. Yesterday you couldn't find time for Jesus on your mind. Oh, how sad the fate you found the time one day too late week after week I'm not talking about our salvation for many of us but week after week we have this costly thing called worship and we refuse to dig it out and pour it out we don't even want to open the jar because it's so costly it's like that special car that you buy that you never get out of the garage I'm never going to have a car that I can't drive kind of an oxymoron why would you do this you have this thing called worship and every week we come into this place and we are in the presence of deity but you say well brother Paul I can't tell he's here you know why because you have an open jar I can't tell he's here there's no moving I don't feel the, the presence of the Lord well you haven't opened up your alabaster jar you haven't opened up your worship because the scripture says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And the scripture tells us that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst of them. So the, so the fact that you can't feel him means that you haven't gathered together in his name. I've come to tell you it's never on God. We act like we're waiting on God. And I've come to tell you he's waiting on us. She took that jar and she said, you know what? I recognize that I may have tomorrow. You know, I, I, there, there are different speculations on who this woman was. There's different schools of thoughts on who this woman was. But I have it in my mind that she had seen Jesus before. 
And I have it in my mind that after this moment, she saw Jesus again. But she said, I'm not worried about yesterday. I'm not even worried about tomorrow. I may get to be in his presence again, but I am not putting off till tomorrow what I could do today. I'm not going to put it off. And she said, you know what? There's never a time like right now when I'm in the presence of God. And she took that thing and she broke it. She busted it. She said, I don't care if I ever get to use it again. Right now, I'm in the presence of the King. Right now, I'm in the presence of deity. Right now, I'm in the presence of the Lord. And so tomorrow doesn't matter anymore. We, what, 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 what may come in the future doesn't matter. If I don't have this smell and this ointment and this worship anymore, what would happen if we would begin to worship God like we were never going to get to worship Him again? What would happen if we came into church service on Sunday and said, you know what, if I'm not able to lift my hands, if my arms are broken tomorrow, today I'm going to worship as best as I possibly can. Today I'm going to break this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to give myself a sore throat worshiping God. I don't care if tomorrow I can't speak. I know right now today I'm in the presence of God and I'm going to call upon Him until I can't, even if I ruin my ability to worship Him tomorrow, I'm going to worship like there is no tomorrow. She busted that alabaster jar. And as she did, there was always the religious people that said, you don't need to do that. You don't need to to worship God like that. All you need to do is be in moderation. All you need to do is show up and pay your tithe and, you know, go through the motions and then you're a good Christian and we're good and you can go out and you can do whatever you want to. I'm tell, I've come to tell you the days of moderation are over. I was talking with Sister Billy and Sister Janet this week and I said, I don't want this, I don't desire this, but I feel like inevitably the, the church of God in the United States, and I'm not talking about our denomination, I'm talking about the church in the United States is going to have to get to a place where we undergo some steeper persecution. And I don't want this, but I feel like we're going to get into a place where it's not just political, where it's not just, oh, uh, you know, on social media persecution. It's not just somebody mouthing and somebody else mouthing. But there's gonna, we're going to have to come under some, some governmental legislative persecution. And then there's going to be a line drawn in the sand. And those who really want to serve God are going to serve God. And those who are playing games are going to get off the boat. And when that happens, the power of God is going to become manifest again in the church. And people are going to worship Him like there might not be a tomorrow. And when they, when they worship Him, that that religious crowd that would say oh you can do it in moderation they're going to they're fall by the wayside even the very elect are going to be deceived we're going to begin to pour out our worship and Jesus became aware of what they were saying and he said he went to him and he said shut up that's, that's the Paul translation the, the PTV Paul Tyndall version took me a long time to figure out those letters acronyms are not my strong suit 
But, but he went to him and he said, man, guys, shut up. You're trying to hinder something that you know nothing about. You're trying to mess with something that you don't understand. You know, I want to tell you something that the Pharisees did not, un- did, they did not know that they were doing wrong. They thought what they were doing was righteous and just, but they are the example, the epitome of what Christ said not to do. He tried to tell them and they came in contact with the, with the Messiah that they had been preaching was going to come and they didn't even recognize it when it hit him in the face. And Jesus turned and he looked at his disciples who were being real religious and he said, man, guys, shut up. Why do you mess with her? You don't even understand what she's doing. You ought to be doing. What she's doing should have been done a long time ago. You don't understand, but I'm getting ready to go to the cross. And she's anointing my body for burial. She's doing something. She's lavishing worship on me. She is changing the fragrance of my my being. She is getting in my presence. And what happens, listen, this is the powerful thing about worship. It's what happens when your fragrance gets to God and God becomes engulfed in the fragrance of your worship. Then there is no difference between you and Him and all of a sudden, you guys are breathing the same air and you're doing the same thing and you become one with Christ you become one with God when she broke that alabaster jar and she began to to let that fragrance permeate him it no doubt permeated her and all of a sudden she and Lord smelled the same and all of a sudden she and God had more in common than they had ever had before and if we could get a hold of worship where we could get our fragrance going out to God that this fragrance of our worship would would lavish around him but it would also encompass us then we would be at one with God and no longer could the world see the difference between us and him and we would be a witness to him and Jesus finished up with this she said in pouring he said assuredly I say unto you wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world you know Jesus was telling them something you know the disciples thought that Jesus was going to die resurrect go to the clouds and come back in their lifetime they all they until they got to the end of their life they didn't realize that Christ was waiting for a while they all thought he was coming back in their lifetime Christ gave him an indicator right here by his own words when he said, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, that this gospel is going to go throughout the whole world. And then he said this, wherever my words preached, what this woman's done will be preached. This, what this woman's done will be told. Why? Because he's saying you can't have the gospel without worship. You can't have you can't have salvation in Christ without learning to worship him. He said it's so important that the two from this moment on are married. From this point on, if you hear about Jesus, then you're going to have to hear about somebody worshiping Jesus. Because in order to understand, as soon as you understand that he is God, then you understand that you must worship him. He said wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman will be done, has done will be told as a memorial to her. Christ cared so much and recognized so much about her worship that he said it's going to be remembered of her what she did. I wonder, is your worship 
memorable? Is your worship memorable? I was talking with Skeet and Norm at the house the other day. And I said, we were, we were discussing, we were talking about types of music. And we were discussing, you know, this type of worship or that type of worship and traditional and contemporary. And we were discussing all these things. And I said, you know, I said, this is, this is one of my desires. When we talk about the look of the church, this is one of my desires. And I, I don't know how to do it except for to illustrate it with you. I remember going to church when I, when I got saved. And I'd be back here in the back talking to Brother Larry or whoever was there. And we would talk about, you know, what, what was going on this week. You know, football, the, the things that people talk about prior to church. And then all of a sudden, we'd be in mid-conversation. And I'd hear the first note on the piano. I didn't hear somebody come to the mic and say, check one, two, hey, we're going to start service, people. No, I heard the first key up of the piano and I and we didn't even talk about it me and brother Larry we were having our conversation and all of a sudden we didn't need to apologize we stopped what we were doing and and together normally whoever I was talking we we walked we we ran because I had to get a spot at the altar our the church I grew up in we didn't worship from the pews we worshiped from the altars because we, we wanted to get as close to the action as we could possibly get. Nobody had to coax us. Nobody said, hey, the altar's open in case you guys want to come up. As soon as we heard the first stroke of the piano or the first, first strum of the guitar, we, we left what we were doing. I stopped mid-conversation. We didn't need to talk about it anymore. There was, we were about to enter into the throne room. We were about to make our worship known before God. We were about to change the fragrance of the air and the atmosphere. And here was the thing. This is, this is why it was so important. It wasn't something that I was doing. What happened was, one time, I did it, I, I saw other people doing it, and I got up out of my seat, and I began to worship. And I can guarantee you, if you would have been around me 10 or 15 years ago, or, or even 8 years ago, no matter what church I was in, you would find me most of the time on the right side. I don't know why I go to the right side. The right side's the right side. Sorry, y'all. And uh, but, but I would go to the right side, and I'd get over here, and I would find myself this wall right here because my worship wasn't for anybody else but it was for God and I would come into the service and if you no matter what church you were in if you came in while worship was going on you would find Paul in the right side am I telling the truth I'd be on the right side of the building facing the right wall and my worship was just going up before God and sometimes I'd dance and do a jig and sometimes I'd be here sometimes my face would be against the wall but I was worshiping I wasn't worshiping so to be a spectacle it, it wasn't about me it was about getting a hold to God. Why? Because one time when I was worshiping, all of a sudden when the music was going, nobody laid hands on me. Nobody touched me. My worship became a broken alabaster jar and I got a hold of God and he got a hold of me and he began to speak into my life and he began to change my heart and the things that I used to do, I quit wanting to do, not because the preacher taught me right, not because the song was good, not even because of the lyrics of the song, but because I had broken my alabaster jar of worship 
up and I had touched heaven and heaven had touched me. And I'm telling you the reason I'm a pastor today, the reason that I preach the gospel today, it's not because of a message. It's not because of a genre. It's not because of musical styles or abilities or the, the ability to pray. It's not even, I've even attributed it to the praying moms and grandmas, even though they have a part in it. The reason that I have a sustainable relationship with God today is because I spent time with my face to the wall, just praising God and worshiping Him and finding how to break the alabaster jar. And I've come to tell you today that I, that, that, that I don't experience those times as often as I used to anymore. But those, those times that my worship was memorable. My, I can look back 15 years later right now and see a memorable worship experience. Not because of anything I did. I don't remember breaking the jar. All I remember is what God did when I broke the jar. It was memorable. I can remember and count on, uh, I can count out to you countless times when I would be in worship and God would begin to speak to me and change my life. I remember in worship praising and praying to God and saying, God, I need someone to mentor me. I need someone to come along beside me and teach me how to be the man of God you want me to be. And the Spirit of the Lord began to speak with me and say, there is no such man to teach you. And I began to be brokenhearted in my worship. God, there's no mentor for me. Why? I, I poor pitiful me. And in about five seconds, I heard the voice of the Lord say, be that man. Because there are others who are going to come along and say, I need someone to mentor me. And, they, and if you don't do it, then I'm going to have to tell them there is no such man. And so God said, be that man. And ever since that day in my worship, I've been striving to be that man that can mentor someone else that I didn't have in my own life. Because why? because I broke the alabaster jar and God began to speak and the moment was memorable God forbid that we come in on a Sunday morning ladies of clean sweep and God forbid you come to church on Sunday morning and you leave and you can't remember it a week or two or a year later we should come into this place and say it may be the last time I can worship but I'm going to break this jar. I'm going to break my worship out and I'm going to do it better than I've ever done it before. I'm going to take, I'm going to get in the throne room of God and He's going to move. He's going to do, I'm, I'm going to be like Karen Wheaton was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to plant myself in front of the, thr- uh, the, the tomb, in front of the stone and say, I'm waiting, looking up, up that dusty road and I know there's a promise coming down the dusty road. As soon as I can see Jesus, I'm going to worship Him and I'm going to pour out my love and worship and alabaster oil upon him we've got to worship church if we're going to get where God wants us to go I had a you know what my message was called this week three little pigs it was going to be something totally different but as we begin to say I sing praises to your name and as we begin to worship and say you deserve the glory you deserve the honor there's no one else like you all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord just rose up in me and said tell them that we've got to worship we've got to worship if we're not a worshiping church we have missed it I, I don't know if my preaching's getting better or worse over the years but I don't care 
I care if our church becomes a worshiping church. I don't care if I'm the best administrator or leader as long as I can get people who will worship together with me. God will provide the rest. And we will fulfill the the, the vision that God has for us if we can worship together in fellowship and in unity. Stand to your feet with me today. Worship. Here's what I want to do. No altar call. No altar call. Here's what I want to do. I want to take the next few minutes. We're going to sing, I sing praises to your name. Because one song's as good as the next if we lift up God.